So what's going on, guys? Welcome into the Insurance Secrets Podcast. Today we have a special guest, someone that I look up to, someone that uh, holds a high ethical standard, and someone who has been in the business for many, many years and has built success. And he's going to share his story. Jeff Root is founder at Digital BGA, how he built a 30-plus million-dollar insurance agency, uh, both on the broker side as well as building on a call center as well. Um, we kind of just go through dialogue of what it looks like to build a successful insurance business and ultimately the advice that new agents you know, need to understand before they get started. And most importantly, uh, from a guy who's been in the industry for a long time, who's built success, he's going to share with you the side of the business, the secrets that no one's willing to share with you and things that you need to know as a new agent or a, as, a, you know, as a seasoned agent about the life insurance industry, uh, breaking down um, some TCPA compliance rules that are going to change the industry, uh, success required or the tools that agents need to become successful and ultimately the backside or the flaw of the business that no one's willing to share. Thank you for joining into the Insurance Secrets Podcast. Our goal is to change the industry and hopefully help you guys feed your family and make more money inside of the life insurance industry. Keep watching, uh, keep listening, and here is Jeff Root. Start off is, uh, for the people that don't know uh, who Jeff Root is, um, how did you, like I guess, how did you get started in the life insurance business? You know, what have you accomplished? And um, I guess share, share some of your track record too. So um, I think it's good to have context. Why should I listen to this guy? You know, what has he actually done before we even take your advice? Yeah. So, you know, I started Digital BGA with my partner, Nick, in 2016. And I was an independent agent before that. So I spent the 10 years prior to 2016 and starting Digital BGA uh, selling. You know, two of those 10 years were in a call center atmosphere, but eight of those 10 years were independent. And over that time, I wrote over 3,000 policies over the phone on my own pen before we started Digital DGA. Okay. And, you know, I just, I just want to point out here too that, I, you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot, but those, those two years in a call center, you know, back in 2008, I think it was, yeah, 2008 are what really set me up for success, right? I, I was able to conquer my call reluctance, got trained properly, you know, built a ton of confidence in helping families over the phone. And, uh, you know, I credit that from working in a structured setting. And I think a lot of this business lacks structure <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and, and producing good agents. And, yeah. and that structure is what most agents need because they lack it. So that's, you know, that's how I started Digital BG is, is, is I had that kind of background. I sold 3,000 policies. And so we started Digital BGA 2016 because we were submitting so much fully underwritten life and term life insurance business back then, right? Um, back then, IMOs had these concierge platforms where you just, you know, do a drop ticket and they take it from, you know, scheduling the exam, getting it through underwriting, which took four to six weeks, uh, getting all the outstanding requirements and basically getting it to offer stage. So it was a lot of back office work, right? But the IMOs would do that. And so we would just break people because we'd submit volume and they need to keep hiring case managers and case managers to, you know, to, to handle our business. But the amount of work that was needed for the amount of, I guess, overrides that they were getting, I guess it didn't really make sense for a lot of them. And so we kept breaking their systems. They wouldn't hire more people and then we get backed up. So we decided to start Digital BG in 2016. So that's how we got started, right? And then from there, about 2018, we morphed into like a simplified issue life insurance business. And yeah, that's when we blew up. So, um, but yeah, so now, you know, we do 
over $30 million of life insurance premium every year. Last two years, we were named on Inc. 5000's fastest growing private companies in the nation, not just the industry, but in the nation. And uh, yeah, so you know we've we've accomplished a lot, but I think it all starts with you have to be in the in the seat, doing the yeah. job as an agent before you you do anything big like that. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, thirty million is is you know a lot of people can't achieve that. And I think you talk about a point there. Well, why do you think everyone in the industry is like told? Do you think that that recruiting philosophy come in and recruit? Same thing with me. I sold for a whole year and a half before I even brought in my first person. Like, why do you think it's pushed that way, and how does that damage like? the insurance industry in a whole or, you know, the agent as well? Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons that we grew so much is we didn't focus on recruiting. We focused on the sales process and finding good people. And there, you know, I, I, I think that the recruiting mindset of the industry is good for the fact that it brings in new agents who would have never known about this industry to help families. And some agents get their entry in through, you know, the recruiting agencies. But the, the, the really, really dark side of it is they're not trained well because they're recruited by people who typically can't sell. And they're told that's the path to wealth in this business is just recruit as many people as you can. But as I know, and as you know, and if you've been in this business for years, what they're not telling you is the amount of debt that you're going to rack up with agents rolling up debt. They're not going to tell you that you're actually co-signing a loan in the form of, a, of commission advances on the agents you recruit, right? You're co-signing for all of them. They don't tell you about those risks and how big they are that you may know about them but you don't know how big they are and i've just seen so many people that had hot starts to this business did great in this business that just got absolutely slaughtered with chargeback debt after the first year or two in the business because the first year when you're recruiting you don't have that chargeback debt right you're 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 doing great this business is awesome you're making a bunch of money your income goes up every month but once you plateau on growth and those chargebacks kind of catch up to that growth that's where agents start struggling and they fail out of the business. And that, and it's just a, it's just a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Just the way agents are brought into this business through, through recruiting agencies. So um, I'm glad they're in the business, but they're also not being trained properly on how to run this business. Cause Peter, as, as you and I both know, like th this business, it's a math problem. It's just a math business, yeah. you know? And and it's not about how many people you can recruit, right? It's it's an equation. It's about like knowing your numbers and your true numbers of the business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, how do I say this? Um, and, and that's not how people are taught, right? And you, you and I, like we know what numbers mean the most to this business. And we train that to agents. And we, you know, we instill that in our agencies. And... What, you know, once you know that, that once you figure out this math problem, you know what those numbers are, not what the industry represents, but you know what those numbers are. That's, you know, that's a big thing. And, and, you know, unfortunately those, you know, recruiting agencies are selling poor companies, right? Because you can get paid more comp, right? Higher commission levels. You and I can go get these much higher commission levels than we have right now with these other carriers, but we don't do it because we know the true numbers of placement, of persistency, of um, of, of all of that. And 
we know that the lower, you know, that, that those companies, they, they don't perform as well just because they pay more. And, you know, agents are saying, oh, but it's a high commission. I can get this amount of commission up front when, they're, when they enter the industry. And, you know, but at the same time, they're not getting as many policies approved. They're, you know, the prices are way overpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not placing as much business and the persistency is terrible. And you have, you know, these, these crazy rules in the back that they don't even know about. MIB Plan F, for example, where they will rescind a policy after it's been enforced for two years, yeah. right. <laughs> you know, and then you'll get a chargeback. Those, those are the carriers that, that, that agents in these MLM sort of companies are dealing with. And it's, an, it's really unfortunate because they don't know any better. It's not the agent's fault. It's just, it's just they were brought into the business by a friend and they trust that friend who doesn't know any better. Yeah. What, what would it be like if you had a like blanket statement, the one warning before someone signed on with an agency or you know a new IMO? What would like the one thing that you would be like, please watch out for this? If that was something like, please look into this before you get started. Anything come to mind that you've seen hurt thousands of agents that they should be aware of? So, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, first of all, I'd, I'd ask questions of your upline and make sure that they're successful themselves. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe that there's great mentors in the business. There's probably good mentors at some of these MLM agencies. Um, and, you know, and, and that's the number one thing. You need somebody that's on your side who's done it, who can show you the way, who knows those numbers, who understands that math equation of this business, right? So, but as far as, you know, what to look out for, there's, there's so many landmines in, in this business. I mean, I mean, there's some things that agents just don't know, for example, and and I don't know how you could know this, but a lot of the lead vendors that they recommend, they get a kickback from the lead vendors. If their agent goes and buys leads, they'll get a kickback. I know this because I get pitched it all the time. Like, Hey, offer our leads. We'll give you a kickback on all the sales. I'm like, no. And then I see there, you know, all these all these agencies plastering this lead company because I know they get kickbacks. Right. Yeah. And so there's, and you, you, you really don't know if that's uh, I guess you can't ask a question to, to, to know that, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I will say that you, you want to be led by somebody who is in the trenches doing the work. Yeah. That's your mentor. Not somebody who says to go out and recruit people. That that's a red flag right there. Agreed. Yeah. It's people don't realize that they become the product when they become yep. a new agent and they, you know, they, you, you have so much trust and then you end up getting taken advantage of. And I think too, since you're talking about leads and a new thing that a lot of people need to talk that we need to talk about and inform, I think a lot of agencies are going to keep hush is the new FCC ruling. That's going to be kind of coming <laughs> to play. Yeah. The one to one lead rule. Um, I posted a video on people like, you know, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to stay in business. Like, um, I think there's a, the worst thing is there's all these agency owners who have no idea how to run the business. They have people under them and do they un- understand the implications of this new ruling that could, you know, damage the industry. Um, so with the new FCC ruling, what are some things that you think agents should be aware of? And, um, if you had to summarize it, like the, the actual impact for, for the industry, what would that look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, as, as you said, I mean, it's, it just means that lead generators can only sell to, you know, one lead at a time to a specific buyer and they need to be listed on that web form. So that's going to create a lot of issues for a lot of agencies out there. I mean, there's more to it than that, but the, you know, number one, age leads will be toast, right? 
So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't work age leads, but a lot of your a lot of lead sources out there depend on age leads. Live transfers, pre-qualified callbacks, you know, um, all of those. And any of those agencies that rely on on any of those, like they're gonna complete, they're gonna need to completely transform the way that they do business. And the funny thing is that a lot of agencies out there are telling their agents that no, it's everything's going to be okay. We got this under control. It doesn't affect us. I see right through that, right? I know it does. Behind the scenes, they're either freaking out or they are just in complete denial of what's going on here because it absolutely will. Because um, those agencies are now going to have to generate their own data to, to do those live transfers and those callbacks. And a lot of agencies are propped up on those, okay? So... If they want to keep their live transfer programs, their acquisition cost is going to get much, much higher. And they're going to have to pay their agents less. They're going to have to do something. Something is going to have to change. So yes, they may still have their programs, but at what cost? It's going to get extremely expensive for those programs. So, you know, you may be, you might be told that this doesn't affect us, but if you are on any live transfer pre-qualified callback, it'll absolutely affect you. What is it? What does that mean for an agent like who is in a model right now, and you know this actually gets implemented on in June, like, and they have a ten thousand person, like, or a five thousand person agency, or a thousand person agency, and they don't have enough leads? What would they have to do? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of that data is developed by CoReg Data, and you know we develop CoReg Data. It's basically where, um, and 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 that's going to be a. Coverage data is going to go up. Let me just explain what coverage data for people who don't know what that is. So it's where you go to a website, you sign up for something. Let's just say you're a senior and you got a diabetic supply, just top of mind. And you got, you know, you got what, whatever you needed there. Then they're going to, they're going to do a different offer. They go, would you like final expense life insurance? Would you like Medicare? Like all these different offers until they click off the website. That's a coverage offer. They didn't go looking for final expense life insurance, but they got shown the offer because they're in the same demographic. So that's co-reg. It's very inexpensive. It's low intent, but if it's dialed on and they're in the target market, you have the ability to legally call them. Now that co-reg data is going to get a lot more expensive because that's what they're going to have to buy now is that co-reg data, that cheap data. That's the cheapest data you can get cheaper than Facebook leads, all that stuff. You can pay a buck or two for these things, right? Um, you can pay less than a buck for these things. And it's, it's it's going to get more expensive because one, they have to be listed on all those forms, right? So they're going to have to find somebody to do that, which is going to lift the cost. Um, and number two, it's just a it's just a lot more expensive to to do that at scale because now there's going to be a lot more of that being pushed through. So, um, and part of the FCC ruling is that it has to be on a like site, so it can't. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to go to do coverage anymore after this. I have to look more into it. But what I read on it was that you, it has to be, if you're looking for life insurance, it has to be a life insurance website. It can't be, you know, Betty Crocker magazine or, you know what I mean? And then it shifts you over there. It has to be something similar. So I'm still need more clarification on that, but it may make it even harder. So um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. The summer of 2024, we're going to see a lot of pivots in the business and it's already, I mean, there's already a lot of changes happening this week. I heard one of the big MLM agencies just cut comp for most of their agents. Wow. Like down like 20, 30 points. I don't know if you heard about that, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. What, um, yeah. 
what uh, positive shifts do you see happening? Like where as a business owner, like, are you like, oh man, you're looking, maybe licking the chops a little bit. Like there is so much opportunity if you can take advantage of it. Like where do you, where do you find there, there to be that blue ocean? Yeah. So in, in this, I think what's going to become a hit if I were to predict, right, what's going to take the place of this, I would say call-ins. I'm not talking like we do TV call-ins, right? I'm not talking that. I'm talking like um, paper call. So I think you'll have your Facebooks, your Googles, your YouTubes, your TikToks, all those um, with people taking calls, actual calls, not fill out a form, but people calling in. So I think that's going to grow a lot is the call to action not being an actual lead, but being a call. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I think too is that lead companies will be able to route those calls as well because they're not filling out a form. You're not you're not calling on somebody; they're calling you. And so I think the paper call market will blow up because of this because it's a, it's it's not very used right now. Not a lot of agencies use it because there's really not a good way, I guess, for Number one, for MLM recruiters to get paid, <laughs> you know, to, to, to recommend them, but also um, to distribute to agents because, you, you know, you, agents can't really sit by the phone and just wait for calls to come in. So there, there's there's a lot of unknowns that, you know, agencies don't, you know, don't know about, but I think they'll become more comfortable with it and paper call will kind of blow up from here. Yeah, I'm excited to see the change there. And I think yeah. it's going to create a higher barrier to entry too for an agent too. There's a lot that they're going to have to um, go through to even become successful. And hopefully, you know, for both of us, we hope to the, the ethics of the business will change too. And these poor old seniors, man, they need the change. So um, yeah. I'm with you too. Um, and, and how it's going to positively impact the industry in regards to like an agent that's coming in, like from your past, you know, eight, 12 years in the insurance industry more, what, what is like the three things that you've seen that like make someone successful as a life insurance industry? Like what characteristics, like you ever like meet with someone like they're, they're either new or like, Oh, this man, they, they just have it. What would that be? Yeah. I'm seeing that most people try to come in and you just know, they just, there's no way, like there's no way <laughs> they're being told that they're going to, but like that feeling that you get like, Oh, this person's got it. What would that be? Yeah. Uh, so I would so th- there's a couple things. The the first one would be conviction. So what 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 I mean by conviction is most agents that enter the business they're in this for the financial transaction of life insurance and to earn a commission, right? Mm-hmm. And when in reality we're leaving families better off than they were before they spoke to us. And once you kind of get that internally, you have enough conversations, you've helped enough people. Once you have that conviction to help families, like it comes out and your whole business changes, right? You, you can hear it in your voice. You can, uh, you become more effective on the phone because you're on a mission. And I think conviction is number one. Number two is self-confidence. I think agents lack complete self-confidence in themselves. They lack confidence, you know, that self-talk, that doubt. And like, Hey, is this even an opportunity? Like, like, can I even get on the phones today? Like that sort of thing. You need to have that self-confidence in you. And I say it to a lot of agents all the time, the agents who lack it, like they could be great agents, but they just have that kind of self-talk that limits them from doing the activity, doing what they need to do. Um, so, you know, I always tell them like, you just, there's probably something in the past that's held you back. You probably need to go to therapy, honestly, um, uh, if, if that's you, but 
you know, and some agents just aren't cut out for this business. If you don't have the self-confidence, you're not going to make it because uh, you, you, you got to stay disciplined and yeah. And you, and you have to believe in the opportunity you're in. Cause that's another thing. It's not just belief in yourself. It's belief in the opportunity you're in. So you're not constantly looking at other opportunities and saying, I think I could do better here. I could get more commissions here. I could get cheaper leads here. I could do X, Y, Z, right. Um, I get better training here. There's, you know, you, you really have to feel good when you make a decision on who you're working with. And you really need to vet that person out. If you haven't done any vetting out, you're doubting your upline, you're doubting the person mentoring you, you're not in the right spot. And because you should not feel that, you should have this, this team mentality, this sort of, um, you know, enjoy working with the group you're with. And if you don't have that, you know, that you're, you're eventually going to either fail out or you're going to move somewhere else. And you might as well do that, hit that reset button now rather than later. Yeah. So yeah, to recap, it was, uh, um, excuse me, it was, uh, self-confidence in yourself, self-confidence opportunity and sorry, in conviction. Yeah. It's the the conviction is, is, is so important. That comes with, you know, being confident, they all kind of tie, tie very well into each other. One thing that I, I'm really just trying to focus on, you know, in content and even what you do is like exposing the truth of like the industry. You've been in here for so long. I think people see the yachts. They see the, you know, people like I have a, a kid on my, a guy on my team. He literally, they his first week was told to go to Miami just to play the part of like the boats and the yachts. And people buy oh into gosh. it. They watch the videos. He's like, he's like, I was there. I had no idea what I was doing. I never sold a policy before, but they told me to like, just like create that Instagram appeal. What like what's a, like an average income of you seen like an, of an agent and like the standard of a successful agent? Like people think that they come in here on like 30, 40 grand. You, I mean, it, it, the sky's a limit, but like most people just want to earn 8,000 or 6,000 or work from home. And most people end up either broke, homeless. I, I had a guy who said his upline told him to sell his car last week. He called in to buy his leads. He's like, man, I don't have a car now. Like, I'm on the phone with this guy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, and it's, a, it's yeah. those, like, what is like, this brings some truth, like what people can actually achieve in the insurance industry while helping people. Yeah. So, I mean, I can only speak from, from experience here and I'll, and I'll tell you that most agents don't make even $40,000 in this business. They could write $10,000 a month, $15,000 a month and, and not make $40,000 in a year because they don't understand the math problem that is this business. This is a math problem. And once you understand those numbers, you know, and it's not, it's not their fault. They're selling a lot, but they're not profiting a lot. Yeah. And, and they think it's all about profits and it's not about profits, it's about charge, not chargebacks. It's about cash flow. Yeah. So, you know, the, to, to, to answer your question here, the, you can make upwards of like, I have, we, we have agents that make that profit every, every year, 250, 300 plus. Right. Yeah. They are efficient. They people will consider them boring. They're not as you think the dynamic. They're not off in Miami, you know. Yeah. You know, with a rented Lamborghini and a yacht or whatever. And uh, you know, they are just in their office doing saying the same thing over and over again. And you know, but outside of the office, they have really dynamic lives, right? But you wouldn't you would see their business, you think it's actually boring. So those agents who embrace the boring and have the discipline to do it. They're, you know, they're making excess of a couple hundred, but most agents, the majority of agents, 75% of agents don't make more than 40 grand in this business. 
Yeah, they don't. I'm with you, and that's uh, I really want to communicate with people. They don't believe that. And when I'm when you're making five to six thousand dollars working from helping people, you are you are doing very well for yourself. And a lot of people don't yeah. realize that because um, it's just that stigma. You've seen it at such a large scale. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, this is more like a personal, professional. I don't know how deep I want to go here, but I, I think a lot of people run into failure and they get scared or like you know or like don't want to run a business. I think there's a huge opportunity in the marketplace of life insurance and. Um, what was like one of the hardest moments in your business thinking about like to, you know, 2008 or when you first got started, what was that moment? Like maybe like you had to pull your wife aside and say, sweetie, we're going to continue or we might have to take a different route. Does there anything kind of come to mind there that was really tough for you? Yeah. I mean, you always have these sort of black swan events. Like it feels like every other year, like the FCC is one of these black swan events our industry is going to have. That's going to change things up. Right. And so when we started the business, we were, you know, we had around 10 agents that we were providing leads for and, you know, they were selling and we were doing this off of 50, 50 splits. So we had all the top life insurance sites sending us um, their leads and for 50, 50 split. Cause they were at the time they were just selling the leads off. We said, Hey, you'll make more money if you get licensed. We got them all licensed and they made a lot more money. However, those sites are getting acquired by mm-hmm. PE companies and so we had this within the, we went from probably, you know, 400 leads a day to probably 50 a day over the course of three months. And that was the first event that we had to get through. And that was the first probably year or two in the business because those sites, they sold for millions of dollars. Right. And I, and I don't blame them. They, they got a huge payday and these PE companies wanted them. And, you know, and that was the first time where we like, Oh crap. You know um, at the time, um, I didn't own a home. Like I, we, we were trying to save up for our mortgage, um, you know, to, for a down payment, I should say. And, um, we were to the point where, okay, it's time to get on the phones. So Nick, my partner at the time, me, my wife, his wife, we got on the phones and had to sell our way out of this thing. Um, buying leads and calling them. And at the time, but it was, it was a blessing in disguise because we learned how to generate our own leads at that time. And, that's what came out of that. Whenever there's change, there's opportunity, right? And so for us, that was a, that was a big, big piece of, of, um, of really our story was, was that. And there's been those moments. Like there's been a lot of those moments. When we first got into final expense, um, you know, we started with Facebook leads and we did well, really well, but our, our ad accounts got banned <laughs> because I guess, you know, um, at, at the time we didn't, we didn't know any better. Okay. And so all of our ad accounts got banned. So we had to pivot again. And now we've pivoted so many times we've created kind of a moat in our current lead thing where nobody else generates the leads that we do. And that's TV leads. So yeah. it, it all works out. Like as long as you keep, keep pushing forward through those hard times, cause everybody has them. I know that you, I know that you've had them. I know that and anybody in this business, it's not, it's not hit the easy button and skyrocket, right? It, you're you're going to have these sorts of um, these these points in your business where you're going to have to push through. Yeah, I can imagine um, having to go <laughs> down there and, and was your wife yeah. at the time, or she was like, was she working with you? And you were like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Or she was doing her contracting and stuff, but she had to get on the phone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Man, yeah. Three scary times and. You kind of flipped it around. I think a lot of people can, you know, that's most for me, it was tough too. I went through a lot of 
I mean, it's, it's business. And that's one thing a lot of people don't realize they're signing up to be a business owner in the traditional models out there. And they think they're just going to sit in their chair and make all this commission and have to worry about like the life or, or business world. But you literally are signing up to be a business owner in the traditional MLM models out there. And there is so many skill sets that is not talked about when you first recruited how to market, how to like generate, like, like why is that not touched? Like, like you, how many skills you knew, like you need a plethora of skills to make this work. It's not just like, you know how to sell. What other skill sets do you think are crucial for someone to have to become successful? Okay, so I, I think I touched on it just just a moment ago. I was just having a conversation about this, and everybody is so focused on profits, right? Mm -hmm. Agencies and agents all focus on it, but those who actually run a growing business, not just a, a business, but a growing business, know that it's not about profits. It's about managing cash flow, mm -hmm. right? You spend a lot of money up front to figure out and build your systems with lots of unprofitable months, right? But when you figure out the math of it all in, in, and what's most important, like what metrics are most important, you have highly predictable cash flows. And that's where I think agents get it wrong. Because like I said, the example of having, you know, a, a hundred and whatever percent contract that's higher than everything else out there. Um, those agents think like, that's the one where I make more money, but no, because the placement rate is so low on those, right? The persistency is so low on those that the rescissions, you know, in a couple of years, you have that risk. There's so many risks to that. The agency just, just see that. And it's, and they think, okay, I'm, they may be profitable and profit's good, right? Don't get me wrong. You obviously want to be profitable, but if you're too profitable, you're not growing quickly. You're not reinvesting enough and you're not building that sort of moat around you. That's going to make you have that predictable sort of cash flow. There's like, there's all these as you know, there's all these little cash flow games that you can play in this business to, uh, to to grow, and agents just don't get that right. So, you know, I, I'll say this just because I had this conversation before. Just one more thing, <laughs> just because it's front of mind, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, and you and I have had this conversation. Uh, placement rate is absolutely critical, and not a lot of agencies put enough emphasis on this, right? Um, and it's not your, your placement rate at the carrier, right? It's placement rate per client. So that's what you need to optimize for it in, in your business when you're choosing carriers, because that's what affects your bottom line. You can have the best closing rate, right? You can have a 25% closing rate, but if you're only placing 40% of that business, 50% of that business, I it, it doesn't matter. Your closing rate does not matter, mm -hmm. right? So many agents are just so focused on writing carriers that pay the most, like, you know, because their their upline is pushing them, but when you, you know, when you weigh the the placement rate of that carrier versus the carrier that pays less, you'll often find you're much better writing a carrier that pays a little bit less. So, I'll say this: instant decision products, guys, they're crucial so that you can pivot and go somewhere else, right? And I'm I'm going to say this: I'm, I at the moment because I, I know you write them as well, rewrite them as well, but nobody really knows about SBLI Living Legacy, right? Yeah. No, nobody talks about it, right? But they approve 90% plus of applications submitted. They have true social security billing and agents, you know, can fix missed payments themselves in the portal, but you won't hear about it from the MLM companies because of the bureaucracy. That's, that's the life insurance business. So just think about it. that's just a carrier. There's leads, there's ways to market. There's things that most agents don't know about. They only know what their uplines are telling them. And that's the problem with the industry. 
mm-hmm. is that everybody's in an echo chamber and they're only hearing the things that their uplines are telling them. They think that's all that they have to go and they're drinking the juice and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and they're not getting the full picture of what is actually out there in the industry that works. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And that is a cure that we write. And it's, it's at the mercy of the agent, but too, what's not talked about most is the client too. It's like, yeah. there's the yeah. millions of people that are just being taken advantage of because of what's going on right now. And that really breaks my heart. And that's what we're both working to fix. It's like, you know, Miss Betty could have got that day one coverage with her COPD at SBLI, but now she's at AIG because the upline had no idea what they're doing. Uh, and that's yeah. that's what's really a huge issue too. On the other side of, of of being a good agent, being with a good company, being with a good uh, leader, that's um, putting a bad you know stain on the industry itself because agents are being taken advantage of, or they're sold these products that two years later they're coming back and they're losing their life insurance and they're putting on the review. Don't ever buy burial life insurance again because this guy screwed me over. That all right. is it's it's a shame that's happening. And um, last thing I want to end with here for you, uh, Jeff. I know you got to run in a bit, but I wanted to do like a rapid fire here. And then, um, so if you were to get back in the industry again, um, would you sell term life insurance or would you sell final expense life insurance? I would sell final expense life insurance Okay. at this moment in time. Moment. Would you sell like in-home or would you go telesales? Telesales. Can you become successful as a life insurance agent, telesales, final expense, working part-time? No. Um, I wish I had blank before I started. I wish I had blank. Oh, okay. I get it. (laughs) I get it. All right. Uh, I wish I had a mentor before I got started, a telesales mentor. Beautiful. And then lastly, one day when I build this business, I want my kids to be proud of me for doing what? For serving as many agents and families as I possibly can. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's more personal. That's really just want to say because it's common questions I get. And um, I don't know if you have any final final takeaways, but um, if you guys don't, if you guys, this is going to be live and audio, um, check out Digital BGA. I think, um, you know, we support, I'm behind your mission. We support your mission. We even send agents to you to, because um, I know you have the ethical, you know, the training, the leads that come in that can provide a real opportunity for the um, traditional model in, a, in, a, in an ethical way. But ultimately, uh, you're currently on a mission now. If you want to show what your mission is, I know you're building out a call center to do this in Texas and in Charlotte. So if anybody's in Texas or in Charlotte um, that is, you know, want to get partnered and, and to work directly with you, they can feel free to reach out to you. Yeah, but, Austin, Texas or Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're in any of those places, we'd yeah. love to hear from you. What's, I guess, the mission for you here as we go on away, like as you work through the week and the month, like what's the one thing that you're looking to change over the next, you know, going into next year? The one thing I'm looking to change. So I think, and we've had conversations about this. I think what's lacking is the lack of actual telesales feedback and support on every single call. So we're about to change that at Digital BGA to give agents that after every single call, get a graded call by AI by February or March. And I can't wait to put that out there so agents can get real-time feedback on what happened on their call, what they could have done better, and uh, and, and push the industry forward that way. Because I think that training, telesales training, is the number one reason agents are not successful in this business. They just don't have the right training and the right people behind them to show them the way. And so I'm hoping to be able to do this um, using new technology that's out there. Beautiful. 
Thanks for, thanks for jumping on here, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll be reaching out to you. What, what's your email? I'll put it in the, the notes or something. Do you have like- Yeah, so Jeff at digitalbga.com. Also on YouTube, just digitalbga at YouTube. Yeah, well, cool. Well, Jeff, that's really it. Um, thanks for just doing this. I think we're both kind of, I have a heart of trying to serve and change industry. I think there's gonna be a lot of fruit that comes from from doing that and and changing a stand, you know, making that making that change. So, um, yeah, that that's a good point there. The the training is a huge thing. I'm starting to realize that a lot of people. We had a new we had an agent sold three policies last month with FFL. He sold twelve last yes last week, um, just from training. Um, he's 18 years old, and it's like what I'm learning is like find someone that's hungry and we can train them and teach them things. It's you, you can build a powerful team. Quick story, take one minute. We had an agent, same same story, came from MLM, 18 years old. He made 12, pocketed $12,000 in, in his very first month selling over the phone. He leased some, I forget what the car was, but he leased a car. I think it was 1200 bucks a month and he was out of the business <laughs> in, in, in four to six months. I, I forget exactly when, within six months he was out of the business because he, he thought this was just going to continue and uh, it was going to be easy, easy going. So, um, you know, there's, uh, you can make a lot of money in this business under the right leadership, under the right systems, but you still got to be uh, careful with your money out there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> People. Yeah. Um, I wish I could say something. There was a guy um, wrote over six figures and I was like, let me see your bank account. There was not. Five, there was not five zeros in there. there. It was single digit bank account, but is on stage saying that he wrote six figures. And I said, can I just see your bank account? And it's like insane. Yeah. People don't believe it. So, um, yeah. but Jeff, I'll let you run uh, great chat with okay. you. You know, we'll see you on, on Wednesday. All right. Thanks, Peter. You know.